Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning in the studio at Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas. We're excited to be here, and I'm excited that you are watching the broadcast whenever that might be. Uh, now on Friday mornings, we're teaching the book of Jude, and uh, of course, we're in chapter one. If you know why, it's the only chapter there is in the book of Jude, just one chapter. And uh, this today is going to actually be our fourth session, and I always like to throw the date out there. It's August the 9th, 2019, and so that we'll know where we were uh, when we taught this specific session of the book of Jude. Uh, if the Lord tarries, we'll teach it again someday, more than likely, and, and I'm sure we'll have a greater life then than we do now, but we're going to minister this morning from this great book of Jude. Again, it's session four. Everything we do here at Crossway Church is uploaded to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Please share that with everyone you know. And uh, the website is thecrosswaychurch.com. And uh, we're just excited to have all these different avenues to be able to get the gospel out. One more thing is that we have a, I have a Spreaker app. Not speaker, but Spreaker. And my channel is for those who have ears to hear. Or you can just type in Curtis Hutchinson and everything I do, whether it's here this morning or tonight in Wichita Falls uh, or wherever I may be, Dublin, Georgia last weekend. It's recorded and it uploads right there to that Spreaker account and you can hear the audio of everything I teach and minister no matter where I'm at. So praise God for that. And please don't forget to pray for our, our new church plan in Wichita Falls, Texas, about four and a half hours uh, from here. Uh, we will be there tonight and in the morning. And uh, we've leased a building. We've got a pastor who's praying about moving there and taking the church. And it looks like that's going to work out at this point. So keep praying. And God wants to have a church in Wichita Falls, Texas, a city of 104,000 people that's preaching the true gospel, which is the message of the cross, which is God's word in the context of the one who said it was about him and what he did at Calvary that allows the Holy Spirit to apply the, the, the written word to our hearts. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So, uh, again, uh, we're just excited to be here this morning, and we're going to start out in verse 4. Uh, I'm not even going to back up this morning. If you want to back up, you'll have to back up and find the other sessions, but uh, we're going to begin in verse 4 this morning of Jude, and uh, so... We're going to see some, some things today. The entirety of God's Word is relevant for every age, all the time in which man has. And it's relevant for us today. But the book of Jude is really, really relevant for us today in, 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 in the way it was written and what it says uh, because it's about... Uh, God's reach for his people to cling to him, to, to cling to true faith and grace, to contend for the faith and to hold dear the common salvation we all have right in the midst of the, 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 the biggest move of apostasy that the world, the church has ever experienced. You know, those who are involved in apostasy, it's not just a turning away and, and an acknowledging of a turning away that I don't want that anymore. It's a slow fade. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moving away through the lust of the flesh and wanting other things more than we just want the truth of God's word. 
And uh, we're going to see some things, I believe, that will help us today if we have ears to hear. If we don't have ears to hear, you'll turn this teaching off and you'll just stick with your dead, dried up stuff that you, you possibly are in. And uh, uh, But you know what? God wants to move you away. He wants where you, all of us, away from where we are right now. He, he's trying to grow us. And I don't mean geographically. Some of you, yes, it'll be geographically. Some of you, yes, it'll be out of that church and into a proper church that's preaching God's word in its proper context, which is righteousness. Uh, but we're in, we're in a great reformation that's taking place right now. God is calling his people out of all this apostasy, all these things that are not of God, all these ministries that have turned God's grace into something that it's not. And we're going to see uh, some of that good stuff in this teaching on this day. Praise the Lord. Let's just ask the Lord to give us that which we need today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today with your word before us, Lord. We thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to, to, to live according to your word, to be led by your spirit, to learn truth, and not just to be a social group of people, but to know you, to, to learn you, to hear from you, to trust you, and to come back to that place called truth, that place that Jesus said, when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. And I just pray that you would, Lord, Help us to hear you more clearly today than ever before. Help us to be able to recognize the truth when we hear the truth. And help us to just accept your word as it is written without uh, being told we need to read in between the lines. Help us, Lord, today to, to, to receive that which you've laid up for us to have today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jude verse 4 says, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what we want to talk about first in this particular verse, and we won't get out of this verse today because there's so much in this to talk about, to discuss the first topic here is certain men. And then he describes certain men. You know, when the Bible says certain men, you have a, a, a room or a building full of people, but in that building full of people, there are certain groups, there are certain individuals. And, and he's pointing here to these certain men. And number one, these certain men have crept in unaware. These certain men were ordained to this condemnation we're about to read about. These certain men are ungodly men. These certain men take the grace of God and turn it into lasciviousness, which is really another word for licentiousness, which is another word for just using the grace of God as a license to sin. And these certain men are men that are denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you something. These men, they know that they're not walking in the truth. 
Because the Bible gives us the truth. And, the, and many today are hearing the truth and yet they're rejecting the truth. They hear it. They can't refute it. But there's so many, so much going on. Listen, the reason the message of the cross is kind of like Elijah in his day being told by Ahab, you are just the one who's troubling all of Israel. And these true ministers of God, these true ministers of righteousness, which are the preachers of the cross, uh, seem to be such, causing so much trouble, is because the majority of the church has been overran with these certain men today. And now when the truth comes, it's those that everybody makes their enemy. You understand it? Paul said... Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And this is not just a little thing that's going on. This is overtaking the church. This is not talking about a little group of people where somebody uh, infiltrates them, although it can refer to that. And that's how it starts. But listen, this thing has gotten so bad, it's infiltrated the churches all over the world. It's infiltrated the pulpits. It's taken over the seminaries. It's taken over everything. So when God moves... He moves in those that he's able to set aside and to impart the truth, which is the message of the cross, to. And when they begin to minister to that, the entire city thinks they're causing problems. They're the ones causing division. That's how rampant this false move and this apostasy and these certain men have taken over. When the church pops up and starts preaching the power of the blood, the, the determined to know nothing but the cross, then you've got all these other people out there calling them troublemakers. Troublemakers. They're the ones causing division. They're the ones causing all the problems. They just need to join all of us. And it's always been that way. God had to raise Moses up to go get his people out of Egypt. God had to raise David up to go get his people delivered from a giant. God had to raise Elijah up and send him to Mount Carmel to get his, again Israel out of the bondage of following that which is false. And in these last days and all throughout the ages, it's been no different. Do not follow the majority. They are wrong. You've got to follow those who are on that narrow path that Jesus said there would be few on that that would find it. And it's not that they don't see it. It's that they don't want it. They want to use God's word for something else. They want to turn God's grace into something that it's not. It's all this. This is where the rubber meets the highway. Am I going to use God's word to appease my flesh and what I want? Or am I going to let God use his word in my heart to change me for his glory? That's what it all boils down to. And I know a lot of them think they're doing that, but it's called deception. And let's look at this again. These certain men, they crept in unawares. That doesn't mean that they snuck in a back door back there and nobody saw them come in. These people saw them come in. They came in. Listen, here's where, the, here, here's where it happens. They talk. They use the same words we do, but our words we say together do not mean the same thing. They say what we say, but their meaning is different. They say it's all about God's grace, like the, the grace revolution. Man, you listen to some of those false teachers, and man, it sounds like they're saying just what we're saying, but they're not meaning what we're meaning. When you start talking about you don't have to repent, you got grace 
in some false thought. Grace does save. Grace doesn't co cover sin. Grace is God forgiving your sin, delivering you from sin, and doing everything else He wants to do in your life. That's God's grace. God's grace is not floating around, covering over our sin so that we can make it to the end, living in sin. God's grace is God forgiving and delivering and restoring us to a place where we're now being conformed into His image and expressing Christ in our lives. So, these men, they creep in. They come in saying what we say, but they, they don't mean what we mean. And they're really just waiting for a position because once they get a position, then they have followers. And think about that. I don't, I, they're not, in that church, they're not preaching what I believe, so I'm going to go to another church in this town. Well, now there's no church in this town preaching what I believe, so then I'll just go to the next town. Well, there's no church in this whole town. Also, not, they're not preaching what I want to hear, what I believe. And so I'll go to the next region, then the next area. Then I, man, I'm out of state now. And before you know it, I'm out of country. And then finally, I realize nobody's going to listen to me preaching what I preach, believing what I believe. So I'm going to start my own ministry. And then people begin to give because he finds out there are people out there that will believe the same stuff he's believing. They begin to give money to him, and he thinks that's the approval of God. Because you've got money coming in is not the approval of God. Because you've got crowds and numbers is not the approval of God. You've got the approval of God if your ministry is a ministry of reconciliation and we're only reconciled by the blood. We only receive all things from God by the blood. We, we were only brought near to God by the blood and we will only stay near to God by the blood. We need to know that. And so these people, they didn't sneak in a back door. They came right in the front door. They came in looking good. And when they finally got a position, they began to move up because people began to like them. And they were saying it using bigger words than we are. Now they sound more intellectual than we do. But then once the people begin to latch on to them, then they can take them wherever they want to. And that's what this is really about. And if, as you read the New Testament on every page, you're going to find warnings. Warnings. Let no man steal your crown. Let no man beguile you. Let no man deceive you. You're going to find warning. Yes, the, yes, the promises are there, but the warnings are there as much as the promises, if not more. Because it's a, it, we have to be warned. We're kids. We're the children of God. And it, the entirety of our time on this earth until we're with Christ, we're going to need to be reminded of what our faith has to be in. We're going to need to be reminded, yes, there are many uh, opportunities and blessings in Christ, but at the same time, there are many warnings, and we must guard our heart. We must endure to the end and not fall by the wayside listening to one of these men who've crept in. If they're not using God's Word to point you to the cross of Christ, listen, they've crept in among us. And they're using God's word out of context. And I know this particular uh, topic here is talking about people who came in and, 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 and they were really wolves. And, and a lot of preachers are just doing it in ignorance today. Uh, but we have to be very careful with that because the Bible says we're not going to, listen, sometimes we don't know the tares from the wheat. We just got to keep plowing and preaching what God's given us to preach. And he's going to take care of doing all the separating in the end. Amen. So these certain men are the men ordained to the condemnation mentioned here. 
How many of you know you were ordained of God to walk in good works, Ephesians 2.10? These particular men have been ordained of God into a, a place called condemnation. And we're going to see the proof of that. No, God didn't create. Listen, I need about 18 million people that I can condemn. No, God didn't do that. God foreknew, if God foreknew all those who would come to Christ, all those that he would find in Christ, Ephesians 1, 4, he chose us in Christ when he saw that we would believe in Christ. If he can predestinate those that would be conformed into the image of Christ by looking out forehead and seeing who they were, then he can also look far out and see people like Pharaoh that will never accept him. If God came down and stood in all of his glory right in Pharaoh's face, Pharaoh would say, I don't care what I see, I ain't going to believe in you. I'm not going to trust you. God also ordained many people like that. He foresaw them and he also puts them in this plan that he has at certain times. And we'll see that today. Here he tells it that, that these certain men that crept in unawares, and don't forget, what makes them unaware is that they were saying what we're saying, acting like they're believing what we're believing, just waiting for a place of authority where they can really begin to show you what they mean. And that is 99.9%. That's massive in the church today. Huge. Because they've crept in. They've swept the entirety of the church today. Every town, every city, every nation in America has these men who've crept in. That's the way it is. But these certain men not only crept in unnoticed, that means what they really believe, but they were before of old ordained to this condemnation. This condemnation. What is this condemnation? That they're ungodly men and that they turn the grace of our God into a license to sin. They use God's grace in a way it's not to be used. I've been told by people, I can sin all I want. God's grace covers me. That, that's, that's not in your Bible. All of our sins are forgiven by the grace of God. But hear me, the grace of God is what God did in Christ at Calvary. Not just something you can talk about and, and say that you're covered till you get... No, no. God's grace, you better write this down. Some of you may be hearing this for the first time. Our people, hopefully they're not sick of it. They've heard it a million times. God's grace is what God does. <coughs> God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19 Hebrews 2.9 says Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. God's grace is what God does. God forgives based on, that's grace, God forgiving me based on my faith in what Jesus did at Calvary to taste death for me. When you move your faith from the cross you fall from grace. Didn't say you lose your soul, but you fall from grace. That means you fall from a place where God's no longer able to work in your life for His glory. That is, listen, it's unto your salvation. You're no longer walking in a place where Christ is benefiting, profiting you. Galatians 5, 1 through 4. Now you're walking in a place where you're just living according to the flesh, not unto salvation. You need to remember that. There are many scriptures the church never hears about today because they don't want to offend people. You've got to watch those. Many of those people have crept in unaware among us and they're just after a paycheck. But watch this now. 
These men who've crept in unawares, they've been ordained just like you've been ordained except to something different. God saw them, and we'll talk about Pharaoh first. God saw, who knows how long before he put us here. Because God sees everything all at once. God's not waiting until tomorrow gets here. Uh, what are we going to do with this? Uh, no, listen. God already knows every day, every situation, every thought, the number of hairs on your head. God knows where every worm in the, in the dirt on the planet. God, there's nothing God doesn't know. And when he saw way in the distance, his people would reject him and he would have to send them into uh, many years of bondage in Egypt that he would also show his strength even in Pharaoh. But in a different way, he shows his strength in us. And we're going to see that in the scripture this morning. I know you're glad. And let me read this here that I wrote. Just as Pharaoh was chosen, which means ordained, and remember where we're at in verse 4 of Jude, these men who were before of old ordained, that means chosen for this, to be doing what they're doing, even in the church today. My, why would God allow that? Because he can stop anything. As we look at Pharaoh today, we're going to see why God allows this even more so than ever before. I pray God reveal it to you today. Just as Pharaoh was chosen, which means he was ordained by God, for God, for God to be able to show his power in him, and he's also chosen, ordained certain other men to show his power in them, yet to their own condemnation also. Just Pharaoh just condemned himself. The men who creep in unaware, they change the grace of God into something that it's not. They preach God's word in some context that will in no way allow God to give grace but keep men under law. Listen, these men are ordained for this condemnation today. God allows this just like he allowed Pharaoh to do what Pharaoh did. And we're going to find out why a little more clearly today. It's so exciting. Listen, we, got, we won't just God, God, just remove them all, Lord. They're a hindrance. Well, listen, God didn't just totally annihilate Satan. He didn't just totally annihilate the sin nature. Paul reveals that in chapter 7 of Romans. God didn't annihilate just all these people. not just going to burn up and get rid of all these people who are in our way. These people have a purpose there. And that purpose really ultimately is to show the power of our God. And that's, that's, that's going to be the greatest torment in hell for all of those who rejected Christ, which that's everybody in hell, but that's going to be their greatest level of torment, not just the flames of fire, but why they're in the flames of fire. That God was using them even in their rebellion. God was in control of them. They chose to rebel and hate God and reject God. And God said, okay, I'm still going to use you for my glory. I'm going to show my power in and through you. And for all eternity, you're going to hate yourself for that. I want to tell you something. The moment Pharaoh died so long ago, he's been in flames. He's still... Well, he, they hadn't got any, anybody asked for a drop of water now they, because they can't see anybody over there. Jesus got those people out of paradise. So they hadn't even got anybody to ask. All, they just, there, there's no hope. 
That's something, isn't it? Pharaoh, he's been in torment ever since he died. He now knows that that God, sun God, moon God, river God, all those frog gods, flag, they worshipped everything. And then when they saw the power of the one true God, they wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't receive him. And now he's in hell for all eternity knowing that all his gods were nothing but satanic and that the one true God showed up, offered him a way out, and he rejected it. And let me tell you something. He was ordained for that. These men who are infiltrating the church today, we just keep plowing with that good old gospel, the message of the cross, the power of God is the preaching of the cross. And those that don't like it, listen, don't give them a position until they understand at least enough to know that there is no other way of salvation, no other way to walk uh, with your faith being properly biblical except it be in Christ. Don't give anybody any position of authority until you know that they mean by what they're saying what you you mean? Somebody said amen. Glory to God. So, when God is showing his power in this manner, it is always through his people for his people and for his own glory. Listen, God didn't do what he did in, in Pharaoh, and we're going to see that in the scripture in a minute. God didn't do in Pharaoh what he, what he did until he was able to do something in Moses. God's always going to use somebody, one of his people, to bring on the scene, even if, even if it's going to have something to do with the Pharaohs or the, these men, these certain men that are ordained under this condemnation to turn God's grace into something it's not. God's still going to raise men and women up and use them because through them, God is going to show his power in even those who are rebelling. And we're going to see that in the scripture. That's, what I need, that's where I need to see it in the scripture. So today, right now, let's look in Romans chapter 9. Verse 17, a powerful scripture that I pray God turn the light on a little brighter for us today. If you are watching this broadcast and you're anywhere near Atlanta, Queen City, Texarkana, we have a dear sister who drives almost every Friday from Treeport, which is about an hour away. So you're welcome to be here on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. We're not trying to get you in the church, trying to get you in the Word. Once you get in the Word and hear it properly taught and preached, that means pointing you to Calvary, then you're going to find yourself in the right church wherever God would lead you to be. Romans 9 and 17 says, For the Scripture said unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised you up, that I might show my power where? In me and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. God is raising his men and women up in this last day that we're living in, living on vapors right now. Jesus is about to come. And these ungodly men ordained under this condemnation to get up and, and, and to turn God's grace into something that it's not, a license to sin, and that's what the grace revolution does when they say that you don't even have to repent anymore. When the Bible talks to the church and tells the church to repent. And they, listen, and they, and they just twist God's word, change God's word. They say what we say, but their meaning is different. They've crept in among us. God ordained them for this. 
Think about that. Let's read this again. For the scripture said unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I, God, raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. God wants his ministers today, just like Moses, <clears throat> to declare the message. Let my people go. And the power of the preaching of the cross is what will cause God's people to be let go. Hallelujah. Listen, it wasn't all the miracles in Egypt that got God's people free. The miracles, hear me today, the miracles were about God showing Egypt they were worshiping false gods. And the gods they worshiped were destroying them. All the, all the miracles represented something that Egypt was worshiping. Flies, the Nile River, the heavens, all those things were, did not deliver God's people. They revealed to Egypt that all your gods that you worship are really just satanic influence. And I'll prove it to you. God sends everything they had trusted in and begins to destroy them with it. See, that's not what the one true God will do. He will save you, deliver you, restore you, become your friend. Hallelujah. He will lead you along the way, loving you, being gracious and merciful to you. And he will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you or turn against you. But anything that's not of God, anything else that's not of God, that will turn against you and destroy you. You need to understand that. So, Let's don't, let's don't leave this too quick because the Bible says the Scripture, the Word of God said unto Pharaoh, for this same purpose I've raised you up. Why did God raise Pharaoh up? And the Bible says God raised Pharaoh up. God raised him up. God don't just raise up ministers of righteousness. God raises up folk who are never going to preach righteousness so that he might show his power in them just as well. But it's a different kind of result. The result of God's power working in us is both to will and to do of that which pleases him and that which pleases him is that which expresses his son that glorifies him. And all those others who are turning God's grace into something that it's not a license to sin or anything else that it's not, God has raised them up too. Amen. All these preachers right out there just smiling at the camera and, you know, they, they don't preach the cross. They don't preach the blood. They might offend somebody. Listen, God raised them up. They are a judgment. They are a judgment against the rebellious. That's what they are. Here God says that he raised Pharaoh up. God showed his power in Pharaoh. Now, we're going to look at some more scriptures concerning this, the very phrase, God telling Pharaoh that I might show my power in thee. Because God shows his power in somebody in two just two different ways. The one way he shows his power in somebody is that which is unto death. 
and separation because of their rebellion. The other way he shows his power in someone is through their faith in him and, and the, the life that he gives as expression. We'll see that in where are we going? Any Bible scholars know where we're going right now? Anybody like to stand up and shout? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. This is, these scriptures here are very dear to me because they reveal something that is so precious. The life we live in Christ, the, 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 the victory that we walk in, which can only take place, not because I went to church or read my Bible or prayed or fasted, the victory I express is that victory I'm experiencing because my faith is in the victory of Christ and how he gave it to me, his death at Calvary. If that's not what my faith is in, I'm not experiencing the victory of Christ. I might say I am with words, but here we go again with words that some people mean something different than what we mean. Our victory comes not from declaring it, but from believing it. In the heart under righteousness, Romans 10 and 10. And listen, this is why it's so important. This is why God's bringing his people back to Calvary, back to faith in grace, back to faith in the cross alone, because only there can we experience Christ. Only there can we express Christ. And while we're expressing him, we're going to see what happens right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ. It really, if you study that out, it's really saying who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Notice, the triumph is only in Christ. And you might be saying, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in Christ. The question is, are you abiding in Christ? Jesus said you must abide, continue, remain in Him. That means your faith must remain in what he did at Calvary. That's what got you in him. And the Bible says we are to walk in him just like we received him, Colossians 2.6. So when I move my faith from the sacrifice to something I'm doing, anything other, listen, then my faith is not biblical anymore. And I'm not walking in Christ. I'm walking after the flesh. Watch now. <clears throat> Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the aroma of His knowledge by us in every place. Folk just want to talk about their church today. That ain't the knowledge here mentioned. Folk just want to talk about their preacher today. That preacher they listen to. That ain't the knowledge. The knowledge, right here, it's the knowledge of Christ. It's the knowledge of Christ that gives us the victory. What's that? That's what Christ did at Calvary. Watch what happens. Now, this is only what happens for, not just because you're a Christian, but because you're still in the faith. You're still abiding in Christ. That means your faith remains in what he did at Calvary. Not that plus. The plus eliminates your faith from the cross. I gotta say that. We always have to say that. When I say, yes, my faith is in the cross, but we also do the purpose driven, and no, you've been distracted. Now you're trusting in 40 days of purpose. Now you're trusting in these things. God won't use them, God uses the gospel. He doesn't reveal righteousness in the programs of men, He reveals righteousness through the cross alone. And that's scripture. That's scripture. That's not my opinion. 
So watch this, verse 15. For we are unto God a sweet aroma of who? Christ. Not my denomination, preacher, our programs. We're a sweet aroma of Christ. Listen, in them. Where, where does God affect others through this victory we live? In them. Remember God says, the scripture said to Pharaoh, I'm going to show my power in you. And when we're living in this victory, the victory Christ afforded us at Calvary, and it ain't by what we're doing to try to make everybody think we got victory. It's by simple faith in the sacrifice. Yes, that always results in, a, in, in us expressing Christ. I'm not talking about being perfect. Ain't nobody going to be. But I'm talking about you are being changed. You are being conformed. And it ain't you're not going to get it all overnight, but you are changing, it's noticeable, and your testimony is that of Christ and his work at Calvary. Hey man, I know people right now, you start talking to them about the Lord, they they can't even do it, but they're in church every week. They go to talking about, well, at our church and, and our preacher, they, they can't even talk about the Lord. Why is that? I'm not going to answer that. For we are, listen, we're unto God. Not man. We are unto God a sweet aroma of Christ. But where is it taking place? In them. Moses was a sweet aroma unto God when he walked in to Egypt and said, let my people go. Why? Because he was doing, God was moving through him. He was doing what God was telling him to do, what God was telling him to say, and it affected Pharaoh in him. You affect inside of people with the victory that you're living in. You're affecting the hearts of other men. That's right. That's what he's talking about here. Your effect is not just well. I just don't like being around them because of that. Uh, you know that. You know. Uh, no, that ain't just no, no. If I don't like being around you, that's a heart issue. That's something going on in me. And listen, let's read this again. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved, and in them that perish. Notice, whichever way it is, to God, we're still a sweet aroma of Christ. If we're walking in the victory, the triumph Christ has made available to us, and that's the knowledge we're, we're shedding everywhere we go. You know, it ain't going to do nobody no good to tell somebody on your job watch your preacher preached on Sunday if you can't point them to Calvary. Because the Word can't do anything for you outside of its righteous context. Proverbs 8 and 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Think about it. And the only avenue of righteousness is the cross. Not just to get you in the kingdom. If you're going to have righteous fruit today, if you're going to be that uh, 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 sweet aroma unto God... Of the triumph, that's what that, that's what makes us a sweet aroma unto God is our faith in the one who pleased Him, the one who triumphed on our behalf. And if that's what we're shedding out as the light, and not just what my preacher preached on Sunday, oh, he's a good preacher, boy, ain't nobody preached really like him. And if that's all you got to say. Man, that ain't sweet unto God. What's sweet unto God is the testimony of Jesus and the triumph you have because of what He did at Calvary. 
Church needs to get back to talking about Jesus instead of their church. Amen. Amen. I know I'm a troublemaker. See, people who get mad at the preachers of the cross who bring warning are people who are so seduced and desensitized by those who've crept in among us unaware that they get mad and turn us off. You know why people don't like Brother Swaggart? Because they've done become accustomed to those who've crept in among us unaware. And they push and make enemies out of men who are delivering the truth that cannot be refuted. Cannot be refuted. Nobody's going to open up a Bible with us and say, uh, you're wrong because of this. No, they're not going to do that. They can't because I, we preach the Word. We stand on the Word. We don't give opinions. We preach Christ because that's what the Word is about. Amen? He says, for we are unto God a sweet, savor, aroma of Christ. Notice, the sweet aroma is of Christ. In them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the aroma of death unto death, and to the other the aroma of life unto life. Watch this now. And who is sufficient for these things? Who can bring this about? Who can do this? Watch this. Because we are not as many those that will creep in among you unaware. We are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Do you get that? See, it's all about what you're doing with the word. If we're, if, listen, if it's not about the triumph we have because of the cross and let everything else go and warn that all other cannot produce any aroma unto God that's sweet, if that's not our message, we're not sweet unto God. Oh, our position, and He loves us, and oh, He has great plans for us, but when we move our faith from the sacrifice of Christ, the aroma of our condition right now, presently, is not a sweet aroma unto Christ. I mean, unto God. Because it's no longer about Christ and what He did. Now it's about what we're doing. And you got to watch those that creep in among you unaware. They'll say, oh no, we're doing all these things because of Christ. But we're doing all these things to have a better picture of Christ. No, the greatest picture you will ever have of Christ and the love of God it's what God did in Christ at Calvary. We don't need the programs, the schemes, and the fads. Those are brought in by men who are either ignorant and just don't know yet, but one day will the message of the cross, God's word in its righteous context. Or it's by these other men who've just been ordained and they're not they're gonna they're gonna say what we say, but they're not gonna mean what we mean. Have you thought about uh, since the message of the cross, the gospel being preached in its purest form, beginning here again and all over the world in 1997 through Brother Swaggart. And some of you hate that name. You need to get over it because you, you don't hate Martin Luther. You, you don't hate uh, a John Hush. You don't hate these other men who are dead and gone. Listen, what if God were to use you? What would you think about everybody hating you because you, you thought you had a, a new light on something? Listen, there's not any new light on anything. It's just light that we're now stepping into that's always been there for us. It's not some new revelation. It's just the Scriptures being illuminated in their proper context, which is about Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Jesus is our righteousness. 
Through the cross, He imputes that to us. He allows us to bear the fruits of His righteousness. The word, All the words of God are in righteousness. We're just now beginning to walk in a place where God can use us, where the aroma can be what it should be. Because without us experiencing the victory of Christ, the aroma, as far as our experience and our condition here on the planet, is not going to be a sweet aroma unto God. You need to think about that. And listen, if you're one, if you're in the congregation of one of those that say, well, you know, I hear all that, but we're, we're a sweet aroma unto God no matter what we're doing. If that was the case, no matter what we're believing, even when we're off and out of the faith and messed up, and say, listen, if that were the case, we wouldn't even need a lot of what's written in the New Testament to hold us the course. We wouldn't need to be told that unless you repent and overcome, I, I, you know, if you don't repent and overcome, or let me, how's it going, Revelation 3? If you, if you do repent and overcome, I won't blot your name out of the book of eternal life. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, says, listen, don't be heady and high-minded. If you forget you're saved by faith, you can be cut off just like Israel was. Listen, don't listen to those who've crept in among us unaware trying to tell you things different from what the Bible says. They're saying, they're using the same words from the Bible, but they're meaning something different because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. So, it's in them. We are unto God, verse 15, a sweet aroma of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. You know how it is. Those that get around you knowing you're all about the cross, you're all about the sacrifice, in them there's a tangible unity there. You are, listen, in them, uh, what does it say? In them that are saved in the parish, uh, your, your life, the aroma of life unto life. But in those who don't want to hear about the cross, we don't need that. That, that, that's, that was back then. We got God's doing something new today. Listen, you're the stench of death in them. But either way you go, because you're walking in the triumph of Christ, you're a sweet aroma of God as you reveal that knowledge. Amen. So, God uses all peoples to see His glorious plan unfold. Here's a great example. Do you know even at the cross of Jesus Christ, the guards, all those men, evil people, God was using them just like He used Pharaoh, just like He'll use these men that have been ordained under this condemnation to do what they're doing. God saw they would never preach the truth. God saw they would make up things to get rich off the people and exploit the people. God raised them up to show His power in them. But the way he's going to do that is as he moves in those who believe the truth, just like he did Moses and Paul and Elijah and the men throughout history that we could name any of, he's going to use them to show his strength in the others. Listen, through Moses, God was showing his strength in Pharaoh by what God was doing through Moses. Now, Pharaoh, in Pharaoh, Moses was the stench of death. Just, you, you're just, I mean, he hated Moses and he hated this God that he served, even though he wouldn't submit to him. Hated him. That's a great example. He, Moses was the stench of death to Pharaoh. Many today, we're a stench of death to because we refuse to preach anything other than the sacrificial work of Calvary. So, 
We, need to, we don't need to forget that. And even when the soldiers were ripping the garments off Jesus, casting lots for him, little did they know that was already prophesied about. They were carrying out the plan of God just like Pharaoh did, just like these men, men will do today. They're ordained unto this. Those men that yanked the cloth off Jesus and, and gambled over his, his cloth that he had around him, they were ordained unto that. Think about that. You and I, I have to keep reminding us now, you and I are ordained because God chose us in Christ, Ephesians 1.4. He knew us, He foreknew us, and because He did, He predestinated us, He ordained us to be conformed into the image of His Son, Romans chapter 8, and He ordained us to walk in good works, Ephesians 2.10, because we're the beloved. If you'll notice, if you look back in verse 3, Jude says, and he, he, he starts off with that beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. There's a difference here in what we're reading between the beloved and certain men who are creeping in unaware. they not the beloved. They are ordained of God under this condemnation, but they ain't going to make it. Because they chose to go the way they're going. God, let me say it again. God didn't create a few million to go to hell. God didn't. Listen, that ain't the God of the Bible. The one scripture ought to solve that for everybody. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus, His Son. That one verse, without many more, we could talk about should refute the teaching that is out there that Jesus really didn't die for everybody, only those who would believe in Him. That's a lie. Listen. 2 Corinthians 5, around verse 14, right in there, says that because Christ died, all were dead. He died for all. Hebrews 2 and 9 says Jesus tasted death for all men by the grace of God. It's only those who believe who are going to benefit and have eternal life. Nevertheless, he did it for all. He died for all. Why? Because he loves all people. Praise God. So when the soldiers and and I and I and I, the Lord really, the Spirit of God really got all over me a couple weeks ago. I was out cutting uh, some vines and thistles, and there and actually it was up here. There was two dead bushes on the front of the church. One of them was a rose bush. And one of the stalks was that big around, and it had some thorns that you didn't want any part of. It wasn't no little stickly thorns. They were, man, a half an inch long. And when I cut that off, I had gloves, and I was having to dangly hold it because those thorns will pierce right through your gloves. And I thought, they put something like this on my Lord's head. I mean, they... they curled it around, and I'm sure it weren't just little stickers. It was a crown of thorns, and they pressed that on his head. Even those men were raised up unto that condemnation, because when they placed that crown of thorns on his head, that was, that was showing that Jesus was dying to take away the curse of the of sin, not only from people, but the curse that was on the earth caused by the sins of, of, of human beings. And, and he, I mean, they put a crown of thorns on him, not knowing that that was representing he was dying to take away the curse, every part of the curse. The Bible says that the earth is even groaning and moaning. It's waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. 
That ought to have you shouting this morning. I think I'll have a drink on that. Listen, everything they did was evil to Jesus. But it was all a part of God's plan. You don't want to be in God's plan in the wrong way. You don't want to be the tail when you can be the head. Hallelujah. You don't want to be the cursed when you can be the blessed. And all you have to do is simply just surrender to the truth which is Jesus Christ dying for you on the cross so that you can be redeemed by that precious blood, become a child of God, be delivered from the plan of Satan that he has for you, that he's been destroying your life by his traps, his snares, his schemes and wiles. All you have to do with a broken heart is say, God, forgive me. I've trusted in so many things other than just you and what you did, giving your son to me. Listen, there's people listening to me right now. You've been in churches for many years, and you've sat under preaching and teaching that, that, that compares to what you're hearing today in no way. You're hearing how to be a, a team player, a winner, how to do this, how to do that, but you're not hearing God's Word in its righteous context. Know this today, that God is showing you you can't change them. You've got to get up and get out. You've got to join the ranks of those who have like, precious, biblical faith. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So the, when the soldiers place, I'm going to read my notes make sure I got it right. Because I wrote some of this down. When the soldiers placed the crown of thorns on the head of Jesus, they did not know that they were being used of God, even in their rebellion, to show that Jesus was removing the curse of sin upon himself. With even the sign of the cursed earth upon his head. Think about that. There were no thorns and thistles until we sinned. And everything went bonkers. Everything went haywire. Wasn't no animals eating animals. Wasn't, wasn't nothing going on. It was God's creation and God said it's good. But when we sinned, everything went wrong. Do you know if we would not have sinned in the garden? Yes, I did say we. There would have never been hurricanes and tornadoes and there would have never been murders and rapes and there would have never been uh, guns made. We wouldn't have needed them. We could have just loved each other and people well, just all this love each other. Listen, one day on the new earth that's full of righteousness and that's what it's going to be full of because the only people going to be there are the people who are trusted in what Jesus did at Calvary. It's just going to be love. Not going to be any need for faith and hope because we're just going to be living in the love of God. That's powerful, isn't it? You and I are the beloved. Jude mentions, and we're ordained unto good works as our faith is placed in and remains in Christ and Him crucified. I've mentioned Ephesians 2.10. Let me read it. For we are His workmanship, talking about God's, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we, the ones who've been created in Christ, should walk in them. Think about that. God didn't just create us, recreate us, give us new life, just to try to do the best we could and try to have fun till we're going home. No, God created us, His people, in Christ to walk in good works. What are the good works? The good works the Bible talks about 
are the fruits of righteousness and holiness. Watch, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. In Ephesians 4 and 24, well, first of all, here in Ephesians 2.10, we see that we were created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In Ephesians 4 and 24, the Bible says we were created in righteousness and true holiness. So when we rightly divide these scriptures, if we are abiding in Christ, that means our faith remains in the sacrifice alone. We have to let all the schemes go. When our faith remains in the sacrifice alone, the Holy Spirit now can teach us the Word. The Word can become the lamp to our feet, the light to our path, and the good works that we're ordained to walk in are the fruits of Christ's righteousness and His holiness. And notice in Ephesians 4.24, the Bible doesn't just say righteousness and holiness. It says righteousness and true holiness. That's what we were created in. It's only found in Christ. Righteousness cannot be experienced even by the Christian. We are righteous, declared righteous by God when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior through faith in His death at Calvary, and that's our position. But our condition, our experience here, we must be walking according to that faith, and the, the good works are the fruits of Christ's righteousness, and hear me, true holiness. Why did the Holy Spirit write true holiness? Because He knew that men would creep in among us unawares and turn the grace of God into something it wasn't, and if we turn God's grace into something that it's not, then we will turn God's holiness into something that it's not. And today, all over the world, when you hear the word holiness, just like yesterday, I was doing business with a gentleman, and he asked what kind of church we were. I said, Pentecostal. And I said, not like you might think in today's Pentecost. I just mean filled with the Holy Spirit and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, oh, you don't, oh you're not talking about holiness then. I said, no, I ain't talking about what you think holiness is and, and what men have done to it. Where they don't wear makeup, they only wear dresses, and they think. And, and listen, the men can't wear short sleeve shirts. And I mean, I'm, I'm in bondage compared to them. Listen, compared to what they believe. Listen carefully. Holiness ain't about what you wear. Amen. If you study the word, you'll find out in one chapter alone in the Bible, Romans chapter six, that there is no such thing of experiencing holiness unless we're experiencing the fruit of righteousness. And there is no experiencing the fruit of righteousness unless we're serving righteousness. And we're not serving righteousness unless our faith remains in that which made us a servant of righteousness. That is all taught in Romans chapter 6. Alone. Look at the process through that one chapter. As long as you keep your faith in that which declared you righteous and made you a servant of righteousness... You now are serving righteousness. And if you're serving righteousness, the fruit of that will be righteousness unto holiness. That means the character of Christ. Not how long you dress or how short your hair is. See, that's why the Holy Spirit wrote righteousness and true holiness. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, these certain men are ordained unto the condemnation of turning God's grace into lasciviousness, which is licentiousness. God's grace is God at work, and God only works in truth. Psalms 33, 4, write it down, never forget it. Cling to it. 
When the truth is known, the truth makes one free. And when one is made free, it is by God working in them alone. You can't experience freedom from sin unless God is at work in your life. What's that mean? By grace through faith, we are saved, healed, and delivered from sin. What's that mean? It means what God was doing in Christ, He will benefit you through that same salvation if that's where your faith is. Think about that. Hmm. Remember that if you get grace wrong, all you can ever do is to deny the Lord. And we'll have to finish this up next Friday because that's another thing that identifies these men. Now, listen, they don't even think they're doing it. They don't know they're denying the Lord. But Titus said in chapter 1, verse 16, while they profess they know God, they deny Him in in works. Amen? Well, God bless you. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find this on the Spreaker app on the channel for those who have ears to hear or just type my name in, Curtis Hutchinson, or you can find everything we do here at the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Pray for us. We're headed to Wichita Falls today. We love you. God bless you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.